This is a Hive Mind Studio production. Hello, gods and goblins, deities and deviants, and my fellow what the fucks. You are listening to episode one of Playing with Advantage, a podcast about the various aspects, histories, rules, and just information in general about role playing games. I am Kenneth Moffat, a.k.a. Southern D&D, and with me is my co-host, James. Why do they have to kill Bobby Bardwell? Dear God, man, you're going to hit me in the feels right off the bat. I love Supernatural, but they did my boy Jim Beaver wrong. They did that entire season wrong, if you ask me. What, what was it, the Leviathans and the weird bit? We'll get into that later, It's though. blacked out. I don't know. But yeah, this is the first episode of our podcast, and we thought it was best, since this is the first episode, to start with the basics. What are tabletop role-playing games? Uh, James, I would like to take you on a journey way back in time. We have a low budget. I have to do the effects myself. Uh, to the era of the caveman, back in the old days where the only form of entertainment besides going out and clubbing each other with massive over the styled, you know, wooden sticks. Okay. And if you believe Hanna Barbera driving dinosaurs, uh, was to sit around in caves and paint beautiful murals on the walls of different aspects of their life and to tell stories about them. Fast forward to however long you want it that you want to believe that that entire that oral storytelling genre as a as a whole has kept the same. Whether it was a caveman telling about his daily hunt to his family, or if it's some well known celebrity sitting on a stream uh, talking to his friends and playing a game of Dungeons and Dragons, storytelling is a is a integral part of of humanity of our entire species as a whole. Now. A few years ago, uh, there was an individual named Gary Gygax uh, who loved different kinds of war games. Uh, he loved the, the battle aspect of them, but most of the games he played were on a very large scale. They were you know, the, the risk style of games where it was armies versus armies, that kind of stuff. Well, one day he, with a friend of his, uh, a man by the name of Dave Arneson, decided, well, what about a more personal system, a a system where one person could fight against another singular person in single combat. And they created an entire game called Chainmail, which was just that. It was more based on a single-to-single kind of combat. And in the very back page of that, it was like two pages, they put a way to play that was more fantastical. They added magic and monsters and such. Well, the actual part of Chainmail did okay. But that fantasy, that fantastical part of it, is what a lot of his, a lot of the people that bought it kind of lean toward more, and they wanted more of that. Well, Gygax and Arneson sat down and wrote up a thing called Dungeons and Dragons, which would become the first of many of the various uh, systems that would soon inhabit the genre we know as tabletop role-playing games. It's a very quick history of it, and there's a lot more we can get into later. So, like, I think... The fantasy setting was a big draw to that, but transitional between the war games and what we kind of know now as RPG, I think one of the most important elements there is the persistence of character. Oh, yes. Uh, When, you know, you have this person that you are representative of on that battlefield and that person gets to grow from one game session to the next. I think that's kind of like 
one of the major seeds, in addition to the the fantasy setting itself, that really kind of set that up for success. As as we uh, we as humans, we as people, like let's take the game Risk, a very popular uh, large army style war game. Which I don't know if you ever played Risk in any shape or fashion. Oh yeah. It's we used to have entire tournaments when I was in college. We would stay up till six, seven o'clock in the morning and just and there was and it never it never failed that you could get a million pieces on the table, but there is that one small individual, that one man that he is alone in the middle of Australia and he is keeping you keeping your opponent from getting into Australia. And suddenly he has a name. He has a history. There's a family waiting for it. We give him a role. We, you headcanon him. We headcanon him. And what Gygax and Arneson did is they took that, and whether intentional or unintentional, they went, well, instead of doing this accidentally, what if these people, these players, they start out like this? Let's make it a part of the Let's game. Let's make it a part of the game. And it took it took off amazingly so to where you've got, uh, we are now at 5th edition. There are other different, you know, you have Pathfinder. Uh, Vampire the Masquerade, Werewolf, all these other different variant role-playing games, and the entire genre itself, it's moved into video games, into stories, into all these things where you, the person coming to this, it is part of the story where you sit down and go, who am I, and how do I fit into this world? And it is amazing, and I love it, especially because normal reality is a little bit boring sometimes. Yeah, I mean, like, our everyday lives, we for the most part, are kind of locked into the identity of what our job is and what we do every day for a living, that kind of thing, what pays the bills. Uh, the draw of being able to sit down and have that autonomy, that control, you know, over a character, over your life that you can identify with, that's huge. Yeah. Like the fact that a lot of the vast majority of us are in a, we're, we're kind of in that part where like our jobs, we feel like, you know, we're at the, we're at the, uh, the low end, the low rung on the ladder where we do the same monotonous things over and over again, barely get any recognition for it, yet we can go into a world where not only do we get recognition without us in some aspects, that world doesn't exist. We can become the most important part of the world in a way. And it's a way for that, like we said, for those disenfranchised to to find yeah. a way that, hey, not only do we belong here, we can thrive here. Yes. Now, we we mentioned D&D a lot of the other, of the other various ones, but now... What exactly are tabletop role-play games? Now, the thankfully, the answer is in the name. Tabletop role-playing game. Tabletop and the fact that usually, not always, it is played on some sort of table. Be it the $3,000 custom Wormwood table of Critical Role. Yes, please. Or the, or the $5 coffee table you found at a yard sale. Also acceptable. Very much acceptable. <laughs> Just a place where you and your friends, and actually you don't even need a table nowadays. Yeah. Uh, the the table has become, you know, it's become electronic. It's online. We'll get into that whole how technology is affected. That's an entire episode. That's an entire episode <laughs> unto itself. But it's, the, it's a place where you and your friends can sit and gather as one person weaves the story, and then all of you take your part, as Shakespeare said, as actors upon the stage of life. Uh, now, role-play games. What is role-playing? Role-playing is essentially that. It's almost a form of acting in a way. But instead of somebody saying, these are your motivations, these are your lines, this is what you do, feel yada, 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 you take on the the persona of this individual. This this character you create, you, you determine their motivations. You determine what they say, how they react. Uh, do what they do, what they don't do. And it all boils down to you and your choice and something we call player agency. Yeah. Yeah. Player agency is really important. Uh, 
for any role-playing game, if you want a person to really take off in your game, you need to give them opportunities and avenues for them to exercise their own agency, right? Most definitely, most definitely. And I, unfortunately, there is, it's, it's called railroading because literally a, a train can only go where its rails are. There are dungeon masters, and there actually there are some players I've met who like a game that's very structured. Hey, we go from point A to point B to point C to the story's conclusion. And that's fine. That's fine, but that's not for everybody. Myself, I love a good story where my they go, okay, so we're going from point A to point B. Well, suddenly there's a point C here in between them, and you start adding and building. And then we're off over here saving this town when the main quest line for Alduin and going to kill him in Skyrim is way down the line, and we don't really care anything about that. See, like... If you take the letters in the alphabet and you just look at them in a line in order, that's cool. That's a foundation. But if you rearrange those letters, then you get poetry, right? And I kind of feel like that's what agency allows. It allows you to transition from mechanics to poetry. So, uh, it's an old joke that I heard one time is, if you could be stuck with one book, what book would it be? It would be the dictionary, because within that book, within the dictionary, are all the other books ever made. Yeah. And that's kind of what it is. Within your story is the is the potential to have infinite stories, and that's where player agency. The fact that these that these players can make the decisions for their characters on their own without going, okay, well, what scene are we at? What's my blocking? Now it's just the dungeon master leans forward and goes, well, what do you want to do? And from that, that's where you pull your story out of. For new players, I know a lot of the times the thought of role playing is daunting. You know, it's it's a little tough because most people aren't used to that much agency in their actual day-to-day lives you know so that's a little bit intimidating um but it's a big part of the game you know and I, i'd hate to see people miss out on that do you have any pointers anything that you do to kind of help encourage people to role play i do i a lot of times people think role playing and they th- there is it's, it's become more recent with the advent of like youtube and this twitch and streaming and all that where now people see these other games. It doesn't even have to be the, the well-known critical role or Dimension 20, but other games where the, the groups, they, they seem just to mesh so well together. The characters, they play off of each other. It's almost like that they have that, that they've played together for so long, they can almost anticipate what each other is going to do in the role played in combat. And with new players, that can be very daunting. Yeah. So what I have found that helps is you break it down to its very, very basic. I look at them and ask, as a kid... Did you play pretend? And 99% of the time, the answer is yes. Okay. When you played pretend, uh, were you the hero? Usually the answer is yeah. And you kind of build from that. All right. Well, when you play, and you, because essentially that's what role playing is. You're pretending to be somebody else. And if you get them to think at this point where you don't have to have the funny voice, you don't have to have all of their, you know, their 12 page backstory, please don't bring your dungeon master a 12 page backstory. I feel targeted. <laughs> Look, I can't say nothing. I, the one I wrote one for was a 15 page backstory. <laughs> uh, he did not, that did not go very well with him. Um, but yeah, the, their backstories, you don't have to have any of that. If you want to come in and just sit down going, this, I'm playing a wizard who loves to read and he wants to find all these antique books and collect them. Perfect. That is an amazing character. You can do so much with that. You don't have to give him a funny voice or a funny name. His name could be Bob the Wizard. Yeah. And from that, you can build this entire, but it it basically, you just, you have to help them. And it, it takes a while, but if they can, what's helped me is I can help them to get to the point where that they're playing themselves. 
why much when you play pretend, even if you're pretending to be, you know, Hercules or some ancient Olympian god, in the end, you're just playing you, just a different version of you. Yeah, I think it's really important, like you just said, to find a way to connect yourself to your character. I, I love exploring aspects of my personality that I don't get to exercise daily. But at the core of that, there needs to be some me in there because that kind of is what makes the character real. Uh, as far as something that I try to do to help my players when we're doing role play stuff, um, doing role play makes you vulnerable. And uh, if the DM can exercise that first and let them see that the space they're in is safe, I think that helps. So if you have a DM that's willing to put themselves out there and trust their players to pick up those characters, that helps. It kind of sets the tone. That's very true. Now, we, like both of us agree, we are more in the roleplay-centric style of this game. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, folks. This is, at its base, tabletop role-playing games is, at its sense, it's a game. If yeah. you're not, in, it's it's made to be enjoyed until you're going to keep coming back to and playing over and over again. And you may not like the roleplay aspect. That's fine. Totally valid. Totally valid. You may like the more, the combat-centric aspect, where the entire point of the game is to fight monsters, defeat the monster, get loot, buy new weapons to fight bigger, better monsters, to defeat the monsters, get more loot. And that's great. And that's actually what originally what Dungeons and Dragons was meant for. Yeah. Just over the years, it's added more of the roleplay aspect to it. And there are tons of systems out there that focuses on that. And when looking to start in your own role-playing game, you have to sit and ask yourself, what kind of games do I enjoy? Like myself. Uh, I love, even for, for books and for, for video games, I love games where I get choices, be it Mass Effect, be it The Elder Scrolls, be it Dragon Age Inquisition. I love games where my choices as a character affect the outcome of the story. Fallout's one of my favorite for oh, that. God, yes. Even in character creation, oh, the choices so yes, you get. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, now, at the same time, I do enjoy the very linear, you know, first-person shooter, the Halo, the, the, the modern warfare, those kind of things. And that's the great thing about this, about role-playing games is there are systems for every avenue, for every aspect of player. Be the, if you want to be the player who is standing on the top of a table in a Taco Bell at 12 o'clock at night, pretending to be a, vamp a crazy vampire. In makeup, full Malkavian <laughs> makeup. Or if you want to be the player who your only concern is to kill all the goblins you can see, to take their ears in for a bounty and go out and do it over and over again, it's all valid. Yeah. And that's the great thing. But to do that, you have to find a place to play first. You have to find these games. And that leads me to, to the question, where can I find these games? Uh, again, thankfully, with technology and at the booming rate it is advancing, that has gotten so much easier. I remember on our pilot episode, James, you mentioned how you were, you and your friends were pioneers in the AM, ASMR genre. Oh, yeah. With how you played your, uh, if you want to go back over that, that's just an amazing story about how that. Yeah. So uh, during this time, our, our parents weren't very keen on Dungeons and Dragons. It was during this period that we were referred to as the Satanic Panic. Uh, we'll probably, I'm sure, have an episode about an that. At some point. I cannot wait to sink my teeth into that episode. Yeah, me either. Um, but we had to kind of get up at like 5 a.m. Uh, to play over the telephone. 
Um, and we had it timed out, had alarms set so that the phone would ring one time and be picked up before that ring even finished so that we could play our game together before school started. Now, I'm about to show my age very much. Now, was this the, was this call waiting or are you all on a party line? Um, so it, it was just a just a landline. It was just a landline. <laughs> like we we literally were doing one on ones with the DM, oh, right? That and like awesome. each one of us had a different day of the week, and then we would play our game together at school. Oh, that is that is. It was actually a really cool dynamic. That is cool. See, I love when I'm able to sit down with my players in like a one v one kind of thing. Uh, but yeah, a lot of you didn't even understand the party line call waiting landline. That's <laughs> uh, God. I can feel my I can feel myself aging right now. Sweet summer children. Oh. <sighs> But yeah, but that that is great. And the uh, one way that I actually find is to be able to do that where you sit down and do kind of 1v1, even if your player is, you know, 30 miles away, uh, you have places like Discord. Yeah. Discord is a great place. It originally started as a place for like gamers kind of get together, post on forums. This kind of, it's involved in so much more. You, know, you can do video chat. You can do calls. You can actually, uh, I believe some of their bots they have, you can actually do like we have one on my Discord, Southern D&D. Uh, that you can actually, it rolls the dice for you. We do entire games over on my Discord where you don't have to, if you if you have nothing, if you just have a laptop and a place to plug it in, you can play Dungeons and Dragons with us. Uh, and, and technology has allowed so, so much more than the fact that you don't have to, like, you know, sit at uh, five o'clock in the morning on the phone. Uh, but as much as I love, you know, video chatting in my D&D, there is something that cannot be replaced about a bunch of people physically sitting around a table. And that is where, and this is kind of where I was, I'm glad you're my co-host for this because you can speak a lot to this. This is where your local game store comes into effect big time. Yeah, so I'm I'm super happy with the advent of all the technology that has made the hobby that we love and has kind of helped form us throughout the years grow. Um, but like you said, for me, this is a personal thing, uh, there is a certain uncapturable magic in any other way that comes when you sit around the table together and you're in the room um, and your LGS, most LGSs, local game stores, they, they'll give you an opportunity for that. Uh, and for me, I think that's the best way to play. That's what I enjoy the most. Um, some people can't do that. You know, we get older, we grow up, we move off, we get different jobs. And to stay in touch, we use the, the discords, you know, that kind of thing. And uh, that's great. You know, I'm so glad that that's there for people. Um, but your local game store appreciates seeing you. Uh, and for the hobby to continue to thrive and grow, you know, for those relationships to develop, sitting down in person, that, that definitely brings a certain magic to the game. It, it does, because there is, look, uh, as, as a dungeon master, I've been on either side of it. Um, I have had my players, and I've also been the player, where like in person, just the look, just a slight nod, you can do so much more. Than you could like just over voice or over, you know, without being seen. And it adds if if you're able to to find a local game store and some game stores actually do set up like here at the Hive, you have kind of store sponsored games you can get into. Mm -hmm. I know a popular thing that a lot of the game stores do is, is do what's called the D&D Adventures League, yeah. where it's designed to literally if you can be there one week, great. If you can't be there the next perfect. The game, the the entire adventure is designed for players to drop in and drop out that yep. kind of stuff. But let's say you, I know a lot, like here in the South, especially, there is a lot of distance between stores, between cities, where maybe you're in a city where there isn't a, a game store and the closest one is, you know, an hour and a half away, but you're, you're on a college campus. 
that is also another thing that you can do. Just find a local group. You will be amazed at how many people from different walks of life, from different backgrounds, enjoy role-playing games as a whole, be it Dungeons & Dragons, Pathfinder, Vampire, whatever it may be. The, there is something about tabletop role-playing games that just speaks to something in everybody. Yeah. Uh, Ed, <laughs> if you want to play D&D, you can play D&D. Uh, <laughs> go on TikTok and just tell people you want to play D&D Someone's going to get in touch with you. You're going to be playing D&D. Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. Uh, it's it's the fact that, you know, there are you know there are game masters out there who are always looking for players or players who are always looking for, you know, somebody to play with. And a lot of times it's to a point where, yeah, they can't be there every week at a set time, but they can be there. So you always have to, that's where communication is a big thing among any part of this. Be it to sit down and determine your, you know, your schedule, to sit down and determine your characters and all that. But the the main part of anything is communication. But yeah, your local group, uh, you know, discords, game stores, even just there's places online you can go. Hey, I'm looking for a game, you know, in, in this area, this kind of thing. Uh, now, let's say you 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 do a little research online, you found there is a local game store who is offering store sponsored games, who has an adventures league. You found your group. What next? What do you do then? If I'm a brand new player who I have found this place in Macomb, Mississippi called The Hive, uh, <laughs> and this looks like a great place to come uh, hang out. They do store-sponsored games. I've filled out my, my player application, and I'm about to come to my, my first ever session. What do I do? What do I need to bring? Do I need to bring anything? What's, what's, what's going on? So um, I'm going to back up just a hair. Okay. The the matchmaking applications that you mentioned. Yes. Um, I know not everybody does that. Uh, I think that is a great onboarding tool for the game. Um, we ask a few questions on the matchmaking application on the player side, but we also have our dungeon masters, our game masters, uh, fill out a sheet as well with I, similar questions. I do not know what, what my dress size had to do with anything on those questions, James. I would like to know what that information was being gathered for. Uh, I'm sorry. That's proprietary. Uh, we, we use that. Don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> but those help connect people with each other that want to play the same type of game, right? Once that's done, uh, the zero session, I think, is kind of your next step. Yes. Uh, the zero session is... Like that, even even in our pay to play games in the private room, we don't charge for the zero session, because the zero session is kind of like your first date, right? You're meeting each other. You want to see if you're compatible. You know, do I want to do this again, right? Um, you also help set up the type of game. You let people know about table etiquette, that kind of stuff. It, it kind of handles all of that preliminary stuff you're talking about. Now, thankfully, I I. I pretty much know every every one of the game masters here at the Hive, and I got to say they're all a great bunch of people. They they run great games. They have that perfect attitude, but unfortunately, that's not always the case. So let's say I, I come here and I sit down with uh, Joe Smith, and right off the bat, he is very much his attitude. The style of game he likes is in that session zero is not something I'm comfortable with. What can I do? Uh, so what we do here is if you aren't into that particular session for any reason, um, you just let us know. And uh, we will ask you a few questions, try to recalibrate, and look for a better hookup, a better spot for you. But it's something very simple. Yeah. 
Super easy. That, that's that's nothing. No pressure. I, no pressure. I am a big bull. Now there is the the famous uh, the famous saying about, and I disagree with it that you know bad D and D is better than no D and D. No, it's not. No, no bad D and D can can bad D and D. Yes, I'm a firm believer, and as somebody who I'm okay with being told this, no D and D is better than bad D and D. If if I'm running a game and you're not having fun, you can look at me and go, "Hey man, look, I'm sorry. This really isn't my jam." I'm going to go, cool. I apologize for not having fun. However, you go speak to so-and-so. Maybe we can get you someplace. Yeah, that's. but don't don't sit in a game that you are uncomfortable with, that you're not enjoying, that sometimes is a little bit traumatic in some aspects to you for whatever reason, just because you feel like you have to. These are games. They're meant to be in, to be enjoyed. Yep. They're, they're there for as long as you're having fun. And when you're not having fun, you should probably do something else. Now, something I like to do after even during a session zero is I still like to give what I call the little the introductory game. The little it brings the players into the world and it kind of lets them see my my game style, the way I run games, in case, you know, it's not for them, that they can, you know, uh, they can step away, no questions asked. So let's say as a first time player coming into this knowing nothing, and you sit at my t- I'm sitting at my own table. Uh, first of all, I'm looking at the guy going, man, he's ugly. Um <laughs> But what do I need to have with me? If I was to come into the hive and sit down at a session zero, what would you recommend I, as a new player, bring with me? Uh, so character sheet, uh, just because that helps you keep up with what you can and can't do mechanically. Now, uh, a, if you don't mind, we'll take these literally one at a time. Yeah. So a character sheet. Now, it's literally, it's a, a lot of times the, the system you're going to play in, be it GURPS, D&D, Vampire, Aliens, their character sheets look vastly different in some aspects, oh, yeah. Yeah. but they all serve the very same purpose. Like you were saying, it gives you your character stats. They're basically what they can and can't do as a character. Now, look, I know we all love to play the the Mary Sue characters. I know in our video games, we love to get to the point where we can walk up to the baddest villain in the game and just go, boo, and he dies. But unfortunately, it doesn't start like that. You have to start somewhere. And in some aspects, there are some things your characters cannot do. I think it allows for better role play than sometimes, but it's okay if your character can't do anything. Uh, for me, that's that's the flavor. That's like, the sweet I, spot. I love a dump stat. A, a dump stat, which is a term we use, is a stat where it is less than average. It is, yeah. it is a stat. It is something like for, for barbarians and the more fighter-centric characters, their dumb stat is usually in intelligence because you get the, the big <laughs> lovable oaf who's a little bit on the, on the, the slower side, but he, he's still fun to be around. But yeah, a, a character sheet, no matter the system, is meant for you to have – basically, you don't have to go, okay, I have to remember everything I can do. You don't have to remember. It's here in front of you. It's your um, quick reference guide. It's your quick reference guide. You have a list of what you have, your items, that kind of stuff. Uh, and now I think almost as important, if not more important, than the sheet itself are those little geometric cubes with the, with the uh, Arabic numbers on them that we love to throw around so much and spend so much money on. Dice, 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 dice. <laughs> Definitely uh, bring you some dice. Now, the, again, edging towards the technology aspect, there are rollers, dice rollers you can get on your phone. There are character sheets that you can have on your phone. But I will say, again, that material magic of holding those click-clack math rocks in your hand and tossing them bad boys oh, down. I, I am very much a tactile person. Like, I've... Like I yeah I've got a tablet I I have that for I use for all my like uh, my monster character sheets and stuff but at the same time I've I carry books with me I've got the player's handbook I I've got my my notes are on pen and paper there is something about having it in front of you that tactile touch 
Now that I mean, yeah, you know, like I said, yeah, I think the big one that recently was acquired by Wizards of the Coast is D and D Beyond. Yeah, that is a a great platform to use. You can put it has everything you need onto it. Excellent tool. Excellent tool. But at the same time, again, there is just something. It's why I don't think, as much as people will say it, I don't think books will ever go out of style because there is just something about a book. There's something about it being tactile. But yeah, you will definitely need dice. Now, with each system, requires different systems of dice. Most of them, like D&D requires, requires at least a D20. Yeah. Everything else you can, you can, you know, yeah, that's another thing. You will, you will sit down on a table and you'll have that one person who has one set of dice. And then there's the person who has one set of dice per day, per week, per century. Per, they have just, it's like you could build a swimming pool and fill it. With the amount of dice they have. So I, I am a set per character person, right? For every character I play, I get a new set of dice. Now, I have a swimming pool of dice because I've been playing D&D for 30 plus years. You know, but those have been garnered one character at a time. See, I'm, I'm a little bit different in the fact that whenever I start a new game, I don't go get a brand new set. I go get a brand new D20. Yeah. Because I love the, the whole thing about, okay, guys, I, we're, this is a brand new game, and this is the thing that is going to determine whether you live or you die. <laughs> Before y'all get worried, I never purposefully kill my players. If, if my players die, my story dies. So I love that's, but yeah, it's just to, you got to put the fear of the DM in them. That being said, um, some of the most fun I've had is when my character has died that, <laughs> or come very close. Oh, there is so much aspects for role play in that moment of near death. And it's, it's well, yeah, it's, it's great. That's an entire episode to itself. Uh, so your character sheet, your dice, uh, I usually recommend something to write on. Write on and write with. Write on and write with. Because, yeah, I as a dungeon master, I'm telling a story and I have my notes, but... A good 60% of what I'm saying is being made up on the spot, and I don't write it down until later, and I may forget something. Yes, absolutely. The So I, I'm, I'm a note taker now. Uh, for probably 25 years of playing D&D, I was not a note taker. Um, and that made me play confused characters a lot of the time. <laughs> I'll never go back now, though. Uh, I, I start taking notes. I keep notes throughout the whole session. I recently had a, a friend show me a program called Obsidian, Ooh, which yeah. is fantastic uh, for both players and uh, GM note taking. Uh, it has my favorite features is a murder board basically, but it's it's all these interconnected dots that show where all the different threads of your notes connect to each other, and it's so cool as your adventure fleshes out. You know, player or GM, you pull this thing up and to see those dot, dots start appearing and those dots start connecting to each other. It's like there, there, there's times as a dungeon master, I will have said something in the past session. I'm looking through my notes. I go, I don't have this written down. I'll look to a player I know takes a lot of notes and go, that NPC, that random NPC you wanted to meet at midnight in the middle of the night, yada, yada, yada. Their last name, was it this or this? And they'll go, oh, what was this? Cool. So we'll make sure I had that right. Uh, and it's okay to do that. Dungeon oh, Masters, yeah. we are not perfect. No. There, there is, so, and what, look, we can get into that. That is several sessions, several sessions, several episodes about what it takes to prepare in some aspects to be a Dungeon Master. And for that, I would love to bring like other DMs here in the store just to sit and talk with them about that. Yeah. But it's, it's the fact we are human. We will forget things. Like I have, in the big game I run here that I stream, I have probably renamed a forest three different times without my players knowing it. <laughs> It's just different it's for just, us. It just, just looks the same. It's, it's like one's right here. Other one is connecting. Just yeah. Explain, yeah. But yeah. So now, so you've got a pen and paper. You got your character sheet. Uh, 
I know the there is the uh, the stereotype that D and D players love Mountain Dew. Uh, snacks are usually because you know, hey, you can you can become fast friends if somebody just goes, you want some chips? Yeah, snacks aren't absolutely necessary, but are you really living life if you're playing without them? That's fair. That's very fair. Uh, now the big question is, what will be provided for me? Like, what is going to if I come here to the hive? What is provided in a in one of the prepaid games? So uh, actually, we have kind of I guess maybe considered loner dice. Uh, we have a, a little dice chest of dice here. If you show up, know nothing about the game, don't know what you should be doing, we got dice for you. We have a character sheet for you. Uh, we have writing utensils. Uh, as far as the GM side of things, we have uh, a map here, a grid map laid out. We have some minis that you can use, um, which for the longest time when we played, it was all theater of the mind. Yes. Right? And you can play that way. Totally valid if, if that's what you like. Good, if you don't mind, uh, when we say theater of the mind, what is that exactly? Like what's So um, now it is, it is very customary for everybody to play with the grid map and minis. Um, and that's actually how the game started out as, you know, when it was a war game. Yeah. Before the role-playing aspect really took hold. But theater of the mind is when all of that is kind of described by the DM and pictured by the players. It goes back to the original kind of the 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 make-believe, the oral storytelling. Just yeah. that where everything happens in your imagination. Yeah. So, like, when you do that, there is a lot of room for miscommunication, which is why I will probably never go back to just the theater of the mind. Um, I like having a physical representation. It helps everybody get on the same page at the same time, which is why that's something we make sure we provide. Most I feel like that's kind of necessary, especially for newer players. Anything you can do to make that on-ramp more accessible. And as, like, when I ran my first few games, like, I didn't have any kind of, of miniatures or any sort of game mat. And now looking back, I'm like this, you know, even if it's something simple as a as a small box, you can go, okay, this is the house or this is where this is. And you can kind of use that to, you know, you don't have to have the exact perfect miniature no. every time. No. But if you just something to kind of give a, a reference, okay, guys, here's the statue. This is the pool of lava. And this large chunk of something is your big bad guy. And from that, your players usually go, Bam, we'll catch on to, okay, cool, that we need to do this, this, and this. Miniatures, especially if you can give it to what we call the Z-axis, where you have the the X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And that adds so much to combat. Them going, I want to climb on top of something and do do this. Uh, Now, I've seen some spectacular failures from somebody going, I want to jump off of this thing and try to hit the bad guy. Well, there's a pool of lava right behind them. And A plus B equals, that is a deep fried dwarf. (laughs) They're delicious. They're oh, just delicious. I like my just a little bit of Tony Shashari. Uh, <laughs> but the look, the fact that you guys provide miniatures that that actually helps so much. Even like I said, even if you don't have well, my my character is a is a half orc, half elven ranger with a limp uh, that they got a scar across their face. Okay, cool. Here's a dragonborn. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like it's 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 not to the point where you have to specifically <laughs> really, perfectly yeah. define everything. Just a combination of, you know, that mechanical representation and the theater of the mind, I think actually works best. As with everything, there's a balance point there where you get the best result. You want to give them enough so that they develop ideas about, I can get on top of this, or I can move around behind him here. You want to give enough representation to offer those ideas a place to take root. Well, I think that a lot of that actually harkens back to like the early days of like chess and stuff where yeah, it was just a little piece, just a piece of wood on a, on a you know gridded board. 
which is kind of where D and one of D and D's roots is like the games like chess and checkers. But it comes to a point where you're playing chess, you are as invested in that you know piece of wood as if you were the knight on the horseback or the the rook in the castle kind of thing. I and mean, it it is the beginning of the war game. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, thankfully, I love where where the the role play genre has come from the tabletop role play games. The fact that no longer it's just you know knights queen to h three. Now it's, I want to rush the dragon, uh, drawing my Vorporal sword, and I'd like to see if I can maybe slide underneath it. Yeah. And that is all, that's all doable, and it's all great. Uh, now, the, uh, something I know that, another thing that you provide, as I am one, is the store provides dungeon masters. You provide people to run games. Yes. And that is a big deal, because I know that there are a lot of people out there who, look, I understand being a dungeon master, trust me, being a dungeon master, it is a full-time, it can be a full-time job into itself. Yeah, and not it's not for everybody. Not everybody has the 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 chop, so to speak, to have an overarching game to sit and come up with all these NPCs, and that's fine. There's nothing yeah. against that. I it look it took me years of practice and several deals with demons and eldritch horrors. <laughs> Uh, by the way, I'll bring you my soul next Thursday, James. Uh, again, uh, we'll be covering the Satanic Panic era of Dungeons and Dragons in an episode at uh, some point. I think you mean Mazes and Monsters. Uh, <laughs> Thank you, Tom Hanks. Oh yes, uh, but and it's often hard to find dungeon masters. And the fact that you don't just go, we don't. You just go, we cannot. Not only do you just say we can find you a dungeon master, you go, we have a selection. Yes. Uh, do you want to play Pathfinder? Do you want to play more of a of a story centric game? Do you want a weird guy who'll do voices and dance around like a lunatic at you? Hi, I'm that guy. Uh, <laughs> and and that's great. That's the fact that this community that is being built here that you guys have have kind of cultivated and is flourishing is is great because there's a lot of places in Forge where they don't have that. They they don't they are stuck with the I'm gonna use a term here that's kind of. They are stuck with the neckbeard who literally it's my way or the highway. Yeah. Unfortunately, the neckbeard stereotype stereotype is a thing for a reason. I mean, this this game and and the position of game master, right? It appeals to some people who may have some issues that would abuse that. Yes. And again, that's what we use our matchmaking sheets to kind of you know, get past. We also, anybody that runs games here, I've sat in a session with them. I have played games with them. Like I, I, I personally want to make for sure that the people I'm putting in this room are safe and are taken care of. That, that is something I think a lot of people don't really put a lot of insight into, whether it's a, your, your home game where you're literally opening up your, your game room to people coming into your own home, or if it's just over the internet, vet the person. What we mean when we say vet the person is to, Learn about them, you know, get some information about how they do, what they play, their style of games. Ask questions. Look, I am not the greatest GM in the world. I know this. I make mistakes. And my style of gaming may not be for you. That's perfect. I'm not going to ask you to sit and play in a game you don't want to don't want to enjoy. Yeah. Now, at the same time, there are players who, and this is where the Session Zero comes in real big. So I try to run a small little game in the Session Zero because uh, I I'm going to be a little bit pretentious i like a solid player that is going to focus more on the overarching story and how they fit into it as opposed to uh them wanting the story to come to them like yeah. one of my and we'll get we can get into a big session what we call red flags yeah uh, one of my big red flags is and i know it's it's become in its own self a meme at this point the player who starts the game as some sort of usually 
There it's, it's either a, a warlock or a rogue, but there I'm sitting in the corner staring at people from the shadows. Okay. That's awesome. How are you going to interact with this group? Yeah, they're over here <laughs> currently uh, at a at a poker table where somebody just tried to cheat one person and a bar fight is breaking out. Now what you want to bring them together. Uh, how how are you getting into this group? Don't get me wrong, like the tragic backstory that is a quintessential part. Oh, oh yes. A, a oh, almost yes. meme-worthy part of Dungeons & Dragons or role-playing games. But at the end of the day, the interaction with that person and this group um, and how they grow to become a unit together, uh, that is the really cool part that shows that. If you continue to ride that like solo backstory horse um eventually it's going to go down on you oh yeah and that's the thing when you come into this your your first session yeah you are each of you in your own are a character mm -hmm. you're your own person your own motivations but hopefully what happens within you know the first i've seen it i've seen it happen as quickly as two sessions i've seen it take upwards of 12 sessions but eventually you become an essence of family you, yeah you start to care for each other you start to care about their motivations but if you've got the one player who the entire time is just, I'm in the shadows, yeah, it's it's not going to work. It's not going to fit right. As, as the, the guy who's at the game store all the time here, one of the most beautiful things that I get to see is these, a lot of times, strangers coming into this game together. And then outside of the game, when they come out of the D&D &D room, you see them start to engage in each other's lives. Oh, yeah. Right? And that, to me, is just, it's a beautiful thing. Because a lot of times, we that play these games are a little disenfranchised, you know. And to see people find their place, to see people find their people, uh, it's amazing. And it's one of my favorite things that this these games do. Now, there is kind of a, a darker side to that where, let's say I've been playing in a game as a character for four or five sessions. And we're, we're still not, you know, clicking right. The, the We're not flowing as a, as a group. But I'm I'm enjoying where my character is, and I'm loving what other people are doing. Is is something wrong? It, it's kind of the it's the critical role effect in the fact that you see these these uh, you know all these other streams, all these other games, and this kind of is where you know technology has helped and in a way hurt that they see all these other people playing these games. Like we you know okay, uh, I'm going to start a new D and D game. I'm going to start a new game. I should expect this. No, you should. Each individual game in itself is a unique experience. Yeah. Uh, and it may take you 10, 12 sessions to get to the point where you look at some, you look at your table and go, you know what? We are a unit. We are meshing together. We are a family. And that's okay. Don't, don't try to force or rush things. Uh, bad things happen when you try to force connections to people. Yeah. In real life and in role playing. Yeah. Because much, you know, much like acting, role playing is just an exaggeration of real life. Yeah. Yeah, it takes place in a fantasy world where dragons fly around and you can shoot lightning bolts from your lightning bolts from your hand. But in the end, it's still just a, a reflection of reality. Yeah. Uh so we have our dice, we have our character sheet, we have something to write with, something to write on, we have our dungeon master. We are sitting down for our session zero. I'm looking around all these other people. What should I expect? What is something I can expect to to happen, to look for? Uh, what is going to happen in this session zero? So, I mean, there's the mechanical part of the session zero, like, like I said, yeah. where you go over etiquette and things like that. Um, and I think etiquette's a big part of expectations. Most definitely, because yes. Because yes. when you go over etiquette, what that does is it, it these are things like, hey, 
don't step on other people's roles, right? Um, if you've got this person who is playing a barbarian and you know they tank damage, you know, try not to maybe get between him and the big bad magic user and die. Um, you know, it just it helps people kind of understand where a good starting point for them is and what everyone is expecting to kind of get out of the game. Now, you, you mentioned etiquette. Now, again, etiquette is something that etiquette will normally vary from from table to table and dungeon master to dungeon master. Thankfully, again, here at the Hive, most of us have a, have a similar line of thought when it comes to etiquette at a table. Yeah. But let's... It's, it's, it's a big trigger word. I know people often have very different opinions about it, but boundaries. Boundaries are something that is often a lot of times is set at a session zero. Hey, what are you comfortable with? What is something you're not comfortable with? Is it okay if this happens? Is it okay if this doesn't happen? Uh, personally, myself, I love that. It, oh, is, yeah. it is part of something in my session zeros. I will look at people and go, what are some topics? What are some things that maybe you don't really they they you don't aren't really comfortable with they don't really make you feel safe because in the end this is a game it's supposed to be a safe place for you to sit with your friends and enjoy it and if you're sitting there you know even if it's unintentional if you are uncomfortable in any shape form or fashion you're not having fun yeah so like uh red cards i kind of mentioned we brushed across that briefly yeah. before uh there are some things that people just this is a hard no-go for me in the game we call those red cards uh and that's kind of a thing that you can talk to your gm about either in the zero session or privately because some people you know they may not be comfortable talking about that in an open session well that's something i often like i I love to again going back to technology i love to set up a discord channel or a server for any of my new games absolutely necessary in case somebody goes hey i need to talk to you but i don't want to talk to you in front of everybody can we just kind of sure no problem Again, that's where, because I'm used to, like, you know, back in the early days, you couldn't do that. You really had to pull the person aside to talk to them. And often, look, face-to-face communication, it can be very difficult. Mm-hmm. You you can, and it's it's it can be nerve-wracking as opposed to going, okay, let me type down everything. So, Again, yeah, making anything easier. Most definitely. Is yes. better. Right. And that's, like, the Discord, the advent of Discord and its connection to tabletop role-playing games has been amazing. Because another thing it does, aside from the private conversations that sometimes actually just really need to be had. Yes. Another thing it does is it gives your oppor- gives your players an opportunity to look forward to something throughout the week. Oh, yes. Until they get to their game. Yes. All of the discords that I'm in for games that we play are just popping all week. There are memes. <laughs> there are, hey, this is reminds me of what happened in the session. You know. We had a break in a session because one of our GMs um, had another obligation that was prior to us setting up the game. And uh, we got left in a spot with some giants that made us all super nervous. And for like three weeks straight, we were all, you know, how are we going to kill these giants? You know, this is more than we can handle. And it was just, it, it gave us an opportunity to connect between games. Something else I've seen with Discord, especially on like if you have a server for the game, is that it allows for, for you have to clear the thing with your dungeon master first. But it allows for downtime role-playing games. Yeah. That the interactions where, like, you know, in the game itself may not kind of mesh or flow well, like, you know, or there's not enough time for sometimes. Like, say, like, you know, you stop for camp for the evening, and you don't want to have to spend three, four hours on a camping session. Well, you can just kind of go, let's go back to this. You said something. Let's kind of role-play it out in the, you know, in the Discord. In the Discord, yeah. Yeah. The the, the campfire element of Discord is awesome. Yes. Um, I do like the idea of... Ending sessions 
often, or when you can, around the campfire. And then you have that RP open in your Discord yes. for them to engage throughout the week. I, I tr- I, it happens It happens sometimes. Where you can, I always try to end the session in a point where the players are either they're at a campfire, there there is a natural break yeah. where they're at somebody's home, they're at a tavern, they're on a journey. It's a moment of, of low energy. Now, unfortunately, there have been times where I've literally ended the session right as they have stepped into the into the uh, the the lair of some eldritch horror. Which, by the way, I love the look on their face. You, they get all keyed up for battling. You just go, and that's, that's where we're going to end next. for tonight. Yeah. Go, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm. I am zero or a hundred. When we end a session, I either want a campfire and downtime role play for throughout the week, or I want a cliffhanger that is going to scare the shit out of me. Uh, so kind of harking back to the uh, the session, the, the our pilot we did, our session zero for this game. Uh, what about the Stagande cliffhanger? How does oh that my come? God, looks. <laughs> Dang it, COVID. Right, so we stopped our game because of COVID, and when we stopped our game, it was this huge cliffhanger. So, Stagande is the stream game that a lot of us here that were kind of founders at the Hive were a part of. Um, We had just started streaming. I think we got like seven episodes that we had put on uh, YouTube. Uh, It's either six or seven. I remember it's at least six. Yeah. So... I can find out. This game... Uh, uh, by, by the way, folks, the voice you are hearing is our tech goblin, Matt, who without him, none of this would be possible. Hi. Absolutely. I'm checking. <laughs> so that, I'm that checking is the you, game big we boy. Were f- Do I need to leave the room? <laughs> I'm going to cut that. <laughs> okay, so I just checked, and it is seven episodes. Uh, if you would like, you could check them out on YouTube at Stagande Sagas. Um, there's about three hours and 30 minutes each episode so there's a lot of content there um yeah be sure to check us out i'm going back in my hole (laughs) so on the last episode of the stagande uh stream we were doing uh one of our players uh had some engagement or something they had uh committed to previously and we were gonna miss a week so i even think uh, ashley uh, on the show had lamented about oh man we've got to Wait a whole week before we find out what happens with this cliffhanger and this creature that is obviously badder than us and going to kill everybody in the party. <laughs> and uh, there was two years between that and us uh, about to start back up again. So, yeah, look, as, as someone who's actually, I I know I've seen at least six. If you watch the seventh one, I I'm enjoying it. It is it is great. You guys, the the story, the characters, the NPCs that uh, Brody, the dungeon master, is coming up with the uh, the young girls, Emmy, Emery, what is her name? Oh, God. Well, it's been two years. Uh, I, I Actually, I probably need to consult my notes, which I have taken because I take them now. Um, but she's probably my favorite NPC. I know everybody likes Doc Orvidi. And I was he about is, to say, I could just, I could say Plague Mask and instantly you know who I'm yeah, talking about. Yeah, he is. Dr. Orvidi is super awesome. Um, but the the little girl, everyone just took to her. You, and you it's guys still can't my favorite see it, NPC. but our, our tech goblin, Matt, who's also part of that game, is over there just racking his brain trying to figure out. I don't Arindus. remember the little girl's name. Arindus. Yes, there Arindus. you go. That was all me, not James. Thank you, old brain. <laughs> but yeah, it look as someone who is who's watched, it is a great, great, uh, great uh, sessions to watch. And I, I highly recommend you guys go check out Stagande on YouTube. I cannot wait to get started back. But yeah, and that actually it's weird. That kind of ties into it. The fact that it's been two years and there is still that that drive, that love for for the comradeship, for the character, and 
you guys, I mean, relatively, it's a small, it's it's a small thing. It's basically just a bunch of friends sitting around playing D and D. Yeah, um, and then like thinking about going back to the game, it it feels like coming home yes. after a long time, and and it's amazing that you can have that connection with so many different groups. It just again, it speaks to what the game does for people. Like I, I know there are uh, there are several games I've I've played where I played in and I ran where. Uh, I just like my my game here on that I stream on Sunday nights, the natural ones. Every time I sit down behind my screen, I look across at I. I mean, I call them my guys. They are my guys. As I look at them, I'm like this. This is what this is about. It doesn't matter, you know. If if we were in a cave somewhere with a campfire, as long as I could sit here with guys like this who are enjoying the game this much and giving their all just to just to to grow this group to to help each other to build these friendships that's what it is you don't have to have the microphones the cameras you don't have to have the big production budgets you just need a piece of paper some dice a pen or pencil depending on what you want to use by the way never use a pen on your character sheet uh (laughs) but you you don't have to have a lot and that i think really speaks to what tabletop role-playing games as a genre are about you don't have to have a lot to play them uh and you know with with most games like with video games especially if you want to play nowadays with a friend you've got to have a wi-fi connection you have to have you know cable wireless adapter all this other stuff whereas opposed to just walk into you know you walk into a a local gathering go hey guys who wants to play a dnd game or who wants to play a pathfinder game who wants to play a role-playing game yeah one of one of my favorite games we played was actually uh, when we invented what I like to call car D and D. On the way back from a trip to uh, another game store and slash restaurant called the Kraken on the Mississippi coast. On the way back, we wanted to play D and D, and I have done this a long time, so I'm okay at improv. Uh, so we just kind of had an improv game with a dice roller on the phone, and um, I hope one day you guys get to meet Thunk which came out of that game uh, played by our tech goblin here. Um, wonderful I'm, character. I'm sorry. You... Who, his intelligence was definitely the dump stat. Funk. Funk, yeah. T-H-U-N-K. Mm-hmm. Yes. Funk. Yeah. So uh, my bard had done some dirty deeds, and the judge uh, of the town had, as a punishment, made him Thunk's guardian. <laughs> uh, wonderful relationship of... Uh, uh, again, people talk about finding their joy in life, uh, and for me, I get to find it over and over again in these games. <laughs> That's the thing. Like sitting sitting here and just listening to you two kind of like interact back and forth about this character. I can tell that that's that's a real connection. It is. The yeah. characters themselves are are literally figments of your insanity, but to the two of you, that connection is real. And, the connection's real, and that. That is what these games are the best for. They are, because look, I, as a kid growing up, making friends was not easy. Yeah. And even as you're, when you get older as an adult, making friends. It's harder. It's as harder an as an adult. But if you can find that one connection, that one thing that you, you, you know, to use a, to, to use a modern day term the kids use, <laughs> you vibe with. Yeah. It, it makes it so much easier. And that's what the, that's what TTRPGs, tabletop role playing games do. They give you that chance in a safe an environment where there is, you know, there's so much that's set within with within boundaries that you can look at somebody and go, hello, stranger, I am such and such. I like to be your friend. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's that's pretty much the essence of it. All the mechanics aside, all the accoutrement that you can accumulate aside, that's the essence of a tabletop role playing game for most people. It's just it's it's a friendship. And that's yeah. that is great. And as long as that is the basis, no matter what system you use, if you want to play AD&D first edition, or if you want to play Pathfinder second, whatever it is, as long as you're enjoying it and the people you're with, you enjoy being with them. I think it's going to be okay. And I think you're going to do good. No matter if you're a first time dungeon master, a first time player, or two people who between us have more experience, have enough experience (laughs) to run for president with it. I mean, (laughs) that does not matter as long as at its basis, you are having fun. Yeah. Uh, so I guess we're getting close to the end of the podcast here. Yeah. I, I think we've kind of went over just the, what a new player kind of coming, if you were, they were to walk into the high, what to expect. Uh, I think in the end, it's like we said, just expect to have fun. Yeah. That is the, that is the one takeaway that should, you should be expecting is to enjoy the game. Yeah. Uh, I can say I've been in games where I didn't have fun and those games don't stick with me. But games where I've enjoyed every moment of it, I've enjoyed the players, I've enjoyed my character, like with you guys at Sagandi or you guys at Funk, <laughs> it sticks with you. Yeah. And that is the, that's the hope of this podcast, is that whatever we say, yeah, a lot of it's, you know, wrapped up in comedy and idiocy, but the, the chocolate nougaty center of this podcast is that to give is to give you the listeners some aspect, some information, or some spark of inspiration that will make your next game immersive, fun, and memorable. Yeah. Uh, so, in conclusion, go out and play some role playing games. Yeah, go play some role playing games. Have some fun. Hope we see you around the table. Hey, quick question though: for people who actually like us, um, where can they follow us at? Are you? Uh, that's good, that's sir. Uh, that's fair. <clears throat> Uh, for those of you who enjoy the sound of my voice, I have bad news about my face. Uh, <laughs> no, you can follow me on TikTok at Southern D&D. I also have a YouTube channel now where the first seven episodes of my game I play here at the Hive called The Legends of Fatera: The Adventures of the Natural Ones are posted. Uh, it's a great group of guys. I love them so very much, and we have so much fun playing that. But yeah, uh, my my entire brand is Southern D&D. I'm on every social media. I've got an Instagram now. I've got a, a Twitter account. Uh, and what about you, uh, Mr. Bardwell? Where can we find more about you? Uh, we are the Hive and Macomb on Facebook. Um, we're also, you know, that moniker pretty much on all the social media outlets. Uh, there's a link to our Discord uh, and on our Facebook page. Definitely hit that up. Um Really, really great group of people in there. Any questions you have, just post them. I can vouch as kind of an outsider who's been welcomed into the flock with open arms that these these guys are great and this community is amazing. And this this is the type of game store that should be in every every city in, a, in, in the world. The, this is a great place to be. Uh, so I guess with that, uh, speaking for our dear uh, Tech Goblin Matt, I am Kenneth Moffat, a.k.a. Southern D&D. I am uh, James the Bard Bardwell, and uh, we'll see you next time. Have fun. Have fun.